Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the precious gift of having your word. Lord, we pray that you may use it this morning to mould us to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. May we be rebuked by it, may we be encouraged by it, and may we be able to take the message that we hear this morning and not only apply it to our own lives, but also encourage other people who have not been here this morning to also do what your word has said. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, sometimes in your life you experience great acts of generosity toward you. Um, I've experienced quite a few of those in my lifetime. People have been very generous to me. And one in particular was when I was working as a student minister at uh, an Anglican church. And the minister who was over me at the time, he was just about to retire. He actually retired while I was the minister, uh, student minister at the church. And he, in a great act of generosity to me, gave me one of the greatest things that is in my life, and that is books. He downsized his library because he was retiring, and so he shared with me a large number of volumes that he would no longer have any use for because he was leaving the ministry. And so I got box after box and packed them away into my car each week as I'd go to church to do ministry and take them away, and I have many of those books still in my library today. It was a great act of generosity on his part. He didn't ask for any money. He just lovingly gave me these books because I think he had picked up that I do like books and he thought they would be well used if he gave them to me. But you would have experienced many acts of great generosity from other people in your life as well, maybe not in giving you parts of their library, uh, but I'm sure that you've experienced generosity in your life. And this morning we come to a great act of generosity in the book of Ezra. In the book of Ezra chapter 7, we've been slowly working through Ezra and this morning we come to an act of generosity by King Artaxerxes. He's already been fairly generous, which we've looked at in previous weeks, but he continues to be generous and show ongoing generosity to the exiles who have come back to Jerusalem. But to bring us up to speed as to where we are in Ezra and uh, where Ezra fits into the rest of the Bible, I want to encourage you here at Des Moines Baptist to get a good framework as to how the Bible's storyline goes about. I should say, uh, I start at the beginning with creation. In Genesis, you get God creating the world. Then you get, of course, Adam and Eve. From Adam and Eve, eventually you get Abraham. Abraham becomes the father of Isaac and then Jacob. Jacob is the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so they become the Israelites. The Israelites spend some time in Egypt. And uh, at first it's very prosperous, but then they are enslaved. God hears their cries uh, f- uh, for mercy. And he eventually brings them into the promised land. They get to the promised land and everything should be hunky-dory then. But of course, uh, they sin a lot. And what ends up happening is God eventually judges them and sends them into exile to Babylon. They go to Babylon, they're there for a number of decades, and then God graciously allows them to return to the promised land. And that is where the book of Ezra picks up. At the beginning, we see these exiles being allowed to return, and they come in one wave, which we looked at in uh, previous months ago, under Zerubbabel, and then we've just started in chapter 7 to see the second wave of them coming in uh, from Babylon, and that is under the leadership of Ezra. King Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, has let them return to the promised land, and he initially provides them with a lot of money, a lot of cash we saw last week, a lot of supplies to go back and to make sacrifices. And this week we see that it's not just a one-off payment that he gives to them. He gives ongoing support 
to them. And that's what I want to look at this week, is this ongoing support, this ongoing generosity that Artaxerxes shows to the Israelites. So the first main point this morning, and you've got a church bulletin there, you can see my main points on the back of that and follow along. My first main point this morning is Artaxerxes is generous to the Lord's work. Artaxerxes is generous to the Lord's work. How is he generous? Well, we saw last week, of course, as I said, that he was generous in allowing them to return and then, of course, giving them opportunity and funds to make sacrifices. Now we see he gives that ongoing support. And so we see that in verse 20, where he says, And anything else needed for the temple of your God, this is to Ezra, that you may have occasion to supply, you may provide from the royal treasury. So he's saying, here's the royal bank account. Anything else you need to supply, you can access my bank account for those funds that you need. And then he gives some instructions to those who will probably be uh, the facilitators, the bank managers of those funds. And so he addresses them in verse 21 and says, Now I, King Artaxerxes, order all the treasurers of trans-Euphrates to provide with diligence whatever Ezra the priest, a teacher of the law of the God of heaven, may ask of you. So it's not just good enough that the bank manager says, you know, yes, you can have funds. He's also got to tell his little minions and tell them, yes, you've got to not be so tight-fisted. You've got to give some cash away. And so that's what he's doing in verse 21. He's telling these treasurers in trans-Euphrates, and that's a long way away from Babylon, that's over the river and uh, back in Jerusalem. He's telling them, make sure you give what these people need. And so what does he suggest that they might need? Well, of course, he says they may need cash. And so he's generous in verse 22 by saying, up to a 100 talents of silver they can have. So he says, give them cash. Also, he gives them uh, supplies. He says, a 100 cores of wheat so some food there, some wheat, a hundred bars of wine, a hundred bars of olive oil, and salt without limit. He says you can give to these people this amount of food and this amount of silver, and so they can access these funds uh, for whatever work needs to go on at the temple. And basically they're getting probably about two years of supplies, it's estimated, for the temple here. Supplies for the priests and supplies even for sacrifices. And so... Artaxerxes is being very generous to the people here. And he's commanding that whatever else may be uh, done, may be done with diligence in verse 23. He says in verse 23, Whatever the God of heaven has prescribed, let it be done with diligence for the temple of the God of heaven. He's saying, make sure you let these people do what they need to do. Let it be done with diligence. Don't just let it be done. Make sure you do it properly. He's saying, if they need cash, make sure you give them cash. Don't say, oh, yes, I've been ordered by the bank manager to give you cash, but, of course, you're going to have to fill in all this paperwork. Here's a 100-page uh, know, document that you have to go through and, and fill out all these, and it has to be done in multiple copies. And, yes, it's like cashing a cheque in Australia. You'll have to wait about a, a, couple, a week for it to actually show up in your bank account. Uh, it's this slow, long process. No, let it be done with diligence. Make sure you get this stuff out to them as they need it. And then it just doesn't stop there either. And I love verse 24. This is one of those great statements. If it's ever said about you, you'll be very pleased. Verse 24. You are also to know that you have no authority to impose taxes, tribute or duty on any of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, temple servants or other workers at the house of God. What are the two things that are certain in life? Death and 
taxes, but not for these temple servants here. Artaxerxes says, no, 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 tax-free. These people do not have to pay taxes. They can access the royal bank accounts, but they don't, and they even don't have to pay tax back into that royal bank account. You see that with public servants. It's always kind of funny, I think, that public servants, they get paid something by the government, but then they have to pay tax too. So they get this money from the government, and then they have to pay tax on that money that they get from the government. You'd think that they'd just say, oh, well, don't worry about tax for all public servants, and we'll just pay you less than private people get. But, of course, then it would create all kinds of confusion about pays. Uh, so I can see why they do it to some extent, but it always seems a bit funny to me that you get paid from the government and then you have to pay back into the government taxes. But that's not the case for these guys. They're under a special exemption. They've been recipients of great generosity from Artaxerxes, that he says, you can access my funds and you don't have to pay anything into the funds either. You're tax-exempt. You're tax-free. Uh, and that is a great act of generosity. Governments do not do that very often at all, show tax exemption to people. And so this is an immense act of generosity from Artaxerxes. So then the question is raised, why is King Artaxerxes being so generous? Why is he being so generous? We can see so clearly he is being generous, but why is he being so generous? Well, that brings me to my second main point. Artaxerxes is generous to avoid God's wrath. And we see that in verse 23. What does it say in Ezra chapter 7, verse 23? Whatever the God of heaven has prescribed, let it be done with diligence for the temple of the God of heaven. Why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and of his sons? The reason Artaxerxes has been so generous in sending these people back and then giving them an ongoing supply of food and cash is because he doesn't want wrath to be against him and against his sons. Now, this sounds like a very good reason to be generous, to placate someone, to propitiate someone's wrath. But the problem is Artaxerxes has a bit of a false understanding of God's wrath against sinners. He thinks that you can buy God off by giving to him, and so your sins are covered. He doesn't want God's wrath against him. He recognises that there's a God there, the God of heaven. He's a believer in the God of heaven. But he thinks that the way he can get out of God's bad books and into God's good books is by buying him off, by showing great generosity to God's people and to the work going on at the temple. In fact, what Artaxerxes has embraced here is works righteousness, that you can be righteous if you do good works. And it, yes, you may have done some bad stuff in your life, but if you do enough good works, enough acts of generosity in this case, somehow you will be okay. Your sin will be covered. But that's not going to cover Artaxerxes' sin. This act of generosity, as generous as it is, giving tax-free incomes, very generous act, it's not going to buy God off, particularly as Artaxerxes is a religious pluralist. He doesn't just worship, if you call this worship, the God of Israel. He worships his own gods as well. He was very generous to other religions at this time as well. We have actual records about him being very generous to the Egyptians as well in letting a lot of them go back to their land. And he was very generous to them. He is a religious pluralist. A religious pluralist is someone who has a plural gods in their uh, little worship ceremonies. They don't just worship one god, they worship many. And that's what Artaxerxes is here. 
he's giving something to God, to the God of Israel, and he thinks that that will make everything okay, while he, of course, holds stuff back. You notice he puts limits on things here. He doesn't just give unlimited stuff to God. He puts limits. He says up to a hundred talents of silver, a hundred cores of wheat, a hundred bars of wine, a hundred bars of oil. He puts limits on those things. He's not giving his whole self to the God of heaven. And so he thinks he can buy God off by being generous. That's the reason he is generous. And it's the same today. That brings me to my third main point. People are still generous to the Lord's work. You look around and you see God's temple going on. If we understand God's temple to be Christians, that we are little blocks as part of God's temple, and God's temple is his church with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, the the, um, foundation stone, we are part of the temple of God. And people are generous to the work of God. The fact that churches are filled with people, the fact that churches actually exist, church buildings are built, um, that church ministries flourish, that you see many people doing great acts of service uh, to the poor throughout the world in the name of Christ, uh, it's flourishing. People are giving. People are giving financially. People are giving with their time. There's a huge army of volunteers all around the world, and even here at Dremoyne Baptist, giving every week giving of their time so that the work of God goes on, that the work of God in Christ's kingdom continues. And then you see even those people who are not necessarily volunteers but paid employees of churches working very hard. Some, of course, are a little bit lazier, but um, many many people, many full-time employees, ministers or part-time ministers, work very hard for their cash. They work, they give generously of their time, even though they are are, uh, given something in return. They work very hard. People are very faithful in being generous to the Lord's work today. But why are people so generous? Why are people so generous to the Lord's work? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. People are often generous to avoid God's wrath. People are often generous to avoid God's wrath. People think that they're, if they're generous to Christian churches, that God will be happy with them and their sins will be covered. Maybe that's a bit of a foreign idea to you, but it doesn't. you don't have to go into many churches to get that impression from people. The reason they are so generous to God's work is because they think that it will make up for the bad things that they've done. Even people who don't go to church are often generous to churches. They give things. They give this nod like Artaxerxes does to churches. I just remember when I used to get my hair cut in uh, Campbelltown with my barber. He was he must have come from some sort of Anglican background. And he heard I was going to Bible college from me. And he said, oh, right. Yes, I think that's wonderful. I think Christian churches are good. There's an, and he lived out in a very small sort of uh, community. And there was an Anglican church in the area. And he said, it's a great church. They, they, they just got their bells restored. And they, they, um, they have the bell clang every Sunday. And it's so wonderful to hear. And I, I've, I've been fairly generous to them recently. Because he wasn't just a barber. He was also a cleaner. And, uh, and so he had a cleaning business. And he said, I, I went round, I've done this a couple of times now, and I give them a big stack of toilet paper that they can use in their toilets. And I said to them, if you, when you run out, let me know and I'll bring some more round. He doesn't go to the church, but he sees that it's an important part of the community. And so he's very generous in giving toilet paper uh, to this Anglican church. 
And people are like that today is, uh, in lots of areas. It's not just this one guy that seems to think that giving money to the church is a good thing and somehow it makes up for uh, his neglect of God. People do it all the time. And some people are regular at church all the time in doing things because they think that will make up for their sins. But of course it doesn't. Coming along, doing work for God, doesn't make up for sins. What Artaxerxes did and what what my barber was doing isn't going to make up for sins. So what is the right reason then to be generous? What is the right reason to be generous? If being generous for covering sin doesn't work, what is the right reason to be generous? Well, that brings me to my fifth main point. Be generous because you have avoided God's wrath. Be generous because you have avoided God's wrath. If you want to be generous, do it because you have avoided God's wrath. How have you avoided God's wrath? Well, it's through the work of Jesus Christ at the cross. That is how wrath is avoided. It is only Jesus that can be the generous one that will actually cover sin. See, people just don't understand how serious sin is when they think that they can buy God off with big lots of toilet paper or anything else that they want to give. They don't understand how serious it is. You have committed an act of rebellion against the living God when you sin. The one who is all-powerful, you've said, get off your throne, I'm getting on your throne, and I'm going to run my life. That's a serious thing to do. Imagine if you kicked Julia Gillard out of the way at some point in Parliament and said, I'm in charge now. You get in big trouble. And that's what you do every time you sin against God. You say, get lost, I'm saying what goes. That's a serious act of rebellion. And so when you do that, it needs serious Atonement, And that rebellion really needs to be paid for by an eternity of suffering in hell. Or by Jesus Christ's death at the cross. He is the only one who never rebelled against God and then could give his life. And he is the only one who is God himself and therefore has infinite value in his death at the cross. And so we should be... We should be ones who are generous because of what God has done for us, not because what we want him to do for us. We should be grateful for the wrath that has been atoned for in Jesus. And so therefore, we are generous because of his great blessing towards us. And if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, I want to encourage you to not think that you can somehow work your way out of your sin by being generous to God by being generous with your time, being generous with your finances. You can't atone for your sin by your works. It just doesn't work. If you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, I encourage you to trust that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation for you. Repent of your sins and believe that Jesus died for you. And then, because he has died for you, be generous. And if you are a Christian and you're here this morning, that should be the reason you are generous. We don't say, oh, Jesus has done everything, so we don't have to do anything. No, God loves you to be generous in light of what he has done for you. And that's what we read that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 by Apostle Paul. He is encouraging the Corinthian church to be generous in giving 
And why does he say they should be generous? He says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 8, he says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through you, through his poverty, that you through his poverty might become rich. Because Jesus was so rich and became poor for your sakes, you should be rich towards others. That should be the motivation for you to give. It should not be what Artaxerxes says here in verse 23. Why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and of his sons? No, that wrath is dealt with in Jesus. You aren't trying to overcome God's wrath. It's been paid for. But you should be generous because of what God has done. And so I want everyone in this room to consider whether they are generous people. It's, it's interesting here that a pagan, a non-Christian can be so generous to the work of God. And often non-Christians can be more generous to God's work than some Christians are. There are some people in some churches that are there every week slaving away and they don't understand the gospel. And they're there, they give financially, but they do it because they think that somehow that makes up for their relationship with God. And it puts some Christians to shame that a pagan can be so generous in comparison to them. When we know the generosity of God, which should be the greatest motivator, that he sent his one and only son to die for us, how can we not be generous in return? So I want you to consider, we should all consider in this room, are we being as generous as we could be in light of what God has done for us? When it comes to our finances, do we evaluate how much we have and whether we are giving of that financial blessing that God has given us? Are we being good stewards of it and making sure we're being generous to God's law, God's work? Not because he needs it somehow, but because we want to show generosity after he was so generous in sending his son. Have you evaluated your income recently? I mean, we get pay rises on a regular basis. Do you evaluate those and see whether you are upping your generosity to God? And then when it comes to our time, are we being as generous as we can be with our time to God's work? Even just God's work in your own little patch of God's temple. Are you generous with your time each day in spending time in Bible reading and prayer? And then are you generous in other parts of God's temple? Are you generous in spending time with other believers and encouraging them to be faithful to God? By coming to church meetings like our Sunday services, Bible studies, prayer meetings? Are you generous with your time in those areas? Or do you hold things back? Do you put limits on things? It's interesting, Artaxerxes, he put limits on things. You can, you can have up to this amount. The only thing he didn't put a limit on was salt. Did you notice that? Salt without limit. I love salt, and so that would have been... He, he, it's kind of like um, when people say all you can eat to me, they don't really know what they're getting themselves into. Um, if it said salt without limit to me, uh, it would have been a bad move on Artaxerxes' behalf, I think. Um, but when it comes to us and being generous to God, we should be giving not just salt without limit, we should be giving everything without limit. Whatever God asks of us, we should be generous in giving to that. 
And it may be not just that you need to give of yourself to you know, the local church and you have your secular job through the week. Have you actually considered whether you should be generous by going into full-time ministry? You may think, oh, no, I've made that decision a long time ago. But every one of us can consider that. You can go on short-term missions, take some time off from work, and even when you go into retirement, many people are not... Uh, there's this perception in Western culture these days, you go into retirement and then you watch TV for 20 years. You retire at 65 and probably die about 85, 90. And so what do you do for 20 years? And you're still healthy and strong. It's not like you've finished the workforce because you just can't do it anymore. And so what we should be thinking is not retirement, we're thinking redeployment, and many people are doing that. They retire, and then they go as a missionary at 65 into another country, spend a couple of years there, come back, sort of get a bit of a break, and then go back again. And they're being redeployed for God's work. They used to work hard at their secular jobs and give generously to the local church that they were at and to God's wider community, but now that they've retired and are financially stable, they then redeploy themselves into God's work somewhere else. Overseas, And so maybe you should be considering that. Are you being as generous with your time as you could be? So we've seen this morning, we've seen the wrong reason for giving to God. And that's to cover over God's wrath against us, to absorb God's wrath. And it's just not going to work. We've seen the right reason is because God's wrath has been covered by Jesus Christ. So do you give to God for the right reasons? There's many people at this church who are so generous, and I appreciate the generosity of the people of Des Moines Baptist in the Lord's work here. But why are you generous? Is it because of what Christ has done? Or is it because you think somehow you'll win brownie points with God? And are you generous? I know many people here at church are generous, but are you as generous as you could be? Do you give generously or does Artaxerxes, a pagan king, put you to shame? Let us speak with our God. Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough for the generosity you've shown in giving us your one and only son. Lord, we recognize how wonderful this is because we see that we could not cover our own sins If you had not been generous, we would be undone. We would be sent for eternity in hell. But Lord, you have been so generous, and we thank you for it. Lord, we pray that we may be motivated by dwelling upon your act of generosity, to do acts of generosity ourselves, to be generous with our time, generous with our money. Lord, may we be good stewards of all the blessings that you give us and show that by the way we behave toward your work going on in your temple, your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll close with the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen.